3: All right, we are back on the Doctor Dolly Show. Thank you all for tuning in. One eight seven seven Doc Dolly. One eight seven seven D O C D A L I. So one of my listeners has asked, what other options are out there for weight loss besides these weight loss injections? They are having trouble losing weight, and these weight loss injections are expensive. They don't want to get caught in that trap of starting something and then they can't afford it if the coupons don't. Keep coming, or if the prescription is not available. And I don't want to scare anybody. I think these medications like Wigovi and Zepbound are a fantastic tool we could use for obesity. I just want everyone to slow their roll and make sure we understand and we educate everybody into what they're getting into because there's been reports of depression, there's been reports of suicidality, there have been reports of pancreatitis, gallbladder disease, and then the most common complaint I have is people can't get it. They started losing weight last year. They were in love with these medications. All of a sudden, January came around, and their, their insurance got switched. Their boss went for a cheaper plan. That cheaper plan doesn't cover it anymore, and now they're gaining the weight back. So there has to be proper education. So for those individuals who say, well, look, I know these medications are out there. They cost about a grand to 1600 a month. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep that up either by me buying it or having insurance that will cover it. You know, one, talk to your medical provider about your options. But there are other options out there. One of you would ask: is there a pill form You don't like needles, and you'd like to try the weight loss medication, but you don't want the pill form. So what these medications are are GLP agonists. The GLP agonist, which is the primary active ingredient in Ozempic, Manjaro, it stimulates the glucagon-like peptide 1 hormone that helps reduce appetite by slowing the emptying of the stomach. It may act also on the appetite center of the brain allows diabetics which is where the medication found its original role to help the body absorb the blood sugar properly and manage it and it was a fantastic diabetic tool and we saw that wow people were losing weight on it again it's in short supply you can't give millions of adults who want to burn off or get rid of their holiday weight there's just not enough medication to go around And so, and some people, they don't like the side effects. For you to increase your satiety and feel full, your body might do that by a variety of mechanisms. One, just make you feel full, which is nice. But for many others, they feel sick. And that's the body's way of making you feel full. You get nauseated. You are trying to eat, and you just can't. Or you're vomiting. Now, the body's like, I'm doing my job. That's what the GLP agonist wants me to do. But you you can't live like that. You can't be vomiting. You can't be getting sick looking at food. We don't know how long-term. that. You still have to get your nutrition in. So there are alternatives. Rebelsis is also a GLP-1 medication. Still costs the same. It's still about a grand a month. Uh, insurance may cover it, but again, for diabetics, but it's an oral medication. You would take it orally as opposed to injection. I don't necessarily have the numbers of how much weight people lose because remember these medications were for diabetes. And so the pharmaceutical companies have to be very careful of touting it to be something that the FDA did not have an indication for. Pharmaceutical companies have to be very careful at all, and they cannot advertise off-label use. But I have had people say that, yes, they did lose weight on Rebelsis. Trulicity. Trulicity is another injection. It's a GLP agonist. Rather than semi-glutide, it's dulaglutide. Still about a grand a month. Okay? None of these you're going to be able to get cheaper until things change the demand is so high that these companies are going to want to get whatever they can and i'm a little nervous about what's happening with all this because insurance company rates are skyrocketing if insurance companies are giving these pharmaceutical companies a grand a month for millions of people who want to be on these drugs you know they're going to spank us hard for premiums and deductibles next year. Already we saw rates skyrocket this year. But there are a couple other medications that are very close in terms of active ingredient that are out there, but they're still expensive. Of course, Wagovi and ZepBound are the FDA-approved anti-obesity medications. ZepBound is the Majora counterpart. Wagovi is the Ozempic counterpart. But... You know, to lose weight, I get it, guys. Everybody, yeah, we're not supposed to say guys. (laughs) Everybody, I get it. It's not easy. I was slim. I lost the baby weight. And as soon as I started to go through perimenopause in my late 30s, I, I started packing on pounds. I can't stand the fact I work out. I hardly eat. I really limit my meals. And the weight doesn't come off. And I work out every single day. So when you see stars and celebrities and your friends start to shrink, it makes you want to do it. But I am very worried about the long-term effects of how to, can we be on these medicine for life? Has anybody studied taking it in your 30s all the way till your 80s? And people will say, well, I just want a quick start. I'm just going to train myself to not eat. When your appetite comes back, your appetite comes back tenfold. So keep up exercising. Talk to your medical provider about things you could do. One little trick I've been using is I have something like eggs or something that I don't like the smell of in the fridge. So every time I get hungry, I smell it. And then I could quickly not be hungry again. But you're going to have to find tricks because weight loss can be achieved but you're going to have to be creative if you can't you know afford or stick to these medications 1877 doc dolly addictions can sneak up on us and come in many forms
4: Yours free at mysolarbackup.com.
5: I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call.
8: February is heart month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly sixty-nine ninety-five 95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply, plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian and milk thistle.
3: All right, so we are back on The Dr. Dahlia Show. Thank you all for tuning in. one 877 doc 1877 docdali Big thanks to Genesis Communications Network for making the show happen. Big thanks to, Dan, to Jason, our producer, and big thanks to you all for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Dr. Dahlia and on Facebook, The Dr. Dahlia Show. So one of my listeners had asked, what is the best way to opt out of the sex ed curriculum? without um, labeling the child, putting the child at risk of being canceled if it's against your religious beliefs. Now, so that's a fascinating question. So if there is a curriculum that, let's say, includes a very robust sex ed program that goes into a lot of detail, in fact, I think one Canadian school is in trouble or not in trouble, but has has gotten some backlash because they were displaying wo- wooden sex aids and sending boys, I I, I guess, home. They had like graphic uh, drawings and books and uh, you know um, you know condoms and, and the, uh, you know I personally I think it's okay for high schools to give out condoms, but you know our sex ed has become in such a huge focus and i i would really like to see a little bit more focus on math and reading and science and getting kids ready for the outside world and learning the trades and physical fitness but uh, this is where we're moving right now where it's all about sex ed and it's all about you know taking over what parents usually traditionally did or wouldn't do and the school's taking that on Well, fascinatingly, uh, apparently Muslim families have spoken out, and St. Louis Park schools are allowing opt-outs for Muslim families regarding the LGBTQ curriculum. So public schools are allowing Muslim families to opt out, This is um, unique in that there has been such a push to not allow opt-out that there are individuals who do not feel that certain sex ed topics uh, relate to their religion. So, um, you know, now there's freedom of religion, First Amendment rights. And so St. Louis Park Schools will now allow parents to opt out for their children. But then the question comes, well, so how do you do that? You know, let's say your child, you know, wants to learn about these things, or let's say it's really not a religion issue for you. It's you would just rather discuss sex ed yourself with your child. And many parents have pulled their kids out of public school because of the sex ed curriculums. I I think that's, I think it's tragic. You know, uh, you know, public school can offer so much, but, you know, parents are really worried about what is being, um, you know, what is being shall we say, uh, delivered. And I remember growing up, my parents had to sign something for me to get sex ed. I remember in the 80s, my parents had to get permission, and my parents wanted it because they did not want to talk about it. In fact, I got in trouble for asking about it at home. So I'm very grateful. School did, but what the, what the curriculum included was what's your period, how does a tampon work, you know what is sex, what is you know, and, and so there wasn't really necessarily any um, uh, you know discussions on the type marital aids or not marital aids but sex aids, and you know and and so you know that that starts to kind of take a different conversation. And I understand schools think, well, look, these kids are going to be sticking iPhone chargers down their urethra. Somebody needs to tell them. You know, I think we need to, as parents and and uh, school uh, officials, get together. I told you guys what I think should be done. In terms of, I told you how the school day should be, where the morning or the hardcore twenty. To thirty-minute core classes of math and reading and science of the afternoon, is um, where you learn the trades. You go through rotations where you learn all the different fields out there: education, farming, construction, plumbing, medicine. You learn uh, uh, physical fitness. Uh, physical fitness every day. You learn group uh, um, uh, group. Uh, you do group projects. You learn uh, first aid. Uh, so you get everybody gets CPR trained. You learn self-defense. So that's how school should be. But also, if we're going to be including sex topics, what I think parents and school officials need to do is have quarterly discussions. Maybe there's a parent-teacher conference and all that, but why don't we have the parents come in once a quarter or once a semester and the schools inform them what's going on? Now, you know, for those of you that want to opt out of sex ed, Can you please have conversations with your kids about oral sex, about pregnancy, STDs? Because in the fifth grade, we are seeing kids, I think in a local school, there were a couple kids that were performing oral sex in the fifth grade. Those are 10-year-olds. And I think a lot of parents don't understand that. Some parents might be in the dark. That doesn't mean the school has to hijack sex ed, but... If parents and schools, if parents think it's all going to be about pushing a narrative and schools think parents are being very um, uh, abusive and we need to get everybody to the table. And I also think the, the schools can do a fantastic job of alerting parents what's going on. Just to let you know, we had a child with fentanyl that brought fentanyl to campus. Your kids need to learn about fentanyl. Now we could offer teaching to all this. Right? You know, there was a car across the street which we believe was somebody who was could abducted or be a potential sex trafficker. We want to talk about sex trafficking with the kids. These are things these kids need to know about and now they need to understand about sexuality. They need to understand about the, you know, but we're a school. Our job is math, reading, science, getting them ready for the outside world. We will offer a sex ed curriculum for those of you who want it so you could sign permission slips. But if you don't, there is a list of things we would like you to discuss with your child and make them aware. Yeah. And, and there just has to be these conversations. And I do agree that there should be parental choice. You know, I don't believe a school can talk somebody into being homosexual or heterosexual. I don't, I, I, all right, I don't. So parents thinking the school is going to turn them gay. No. Okay. Nobody's going to turn you gay or straight or, tra- but there's a lot of concern that there is a hijacking of a child's mental health. And rather than an actual, you know, team figuring out what the diagnosis is in terms of a child's depression or anxiety, there have been some very quick to jump to, well, you're transgender. Transgender, that's a pretty big diagnosis. You have gender dysphoria. That is a huge committing diagnosis to hand a child. Without having a team of psychologists, psychiatrists, parents, which, by the way, whenever a psychiatrist makes a diagnosis with the child, they ask many questions of the parents. Yet this diagnosis is being done without parental input. And knowing that there is, as a doctor, there is true gender dysphoria out there, true gender dysphoria where a child does not want to be in their body. That is a very challenging Uh. Uh condition that that child has it's rare but it it's out there it's just not to the degree that i think many people feel it is and so when i have seen and heard of cases where these children had depression and anxiety and somebody said well it's because you should be a girl or you should be a boy that's scaring parents and that they are concerned about is where there could be there there that there could be unfortunately uh uh an indirect manipulation so it looks like things are starting to move towards giving parents back some of their their uh, autonomy but for those of you that don't want to be accused of being anti lgbtqai plus because you want to be the one to discuss sex ed with the family you know um i oh, i i can't you can't control what people are going to think but you, you know, you know, if if you want to, if I would ask to review what the curriculum is and see if you're comfortable with it, and if not, you'd like to say, I'd like to have these conversations with my children, I'm going to hit these talking points, but please let me and, you know, my partner or my, or the father or the mother do it. And, and you know, you have a right, but if you worry that that child is going to be sidelined and bullied... Or discriminated against, then yeah, you might have to change schools. One eight seven seven Doc Dolly.
0: It's
9: easy to see we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.
3: USA News Update. The U.S. back on the moon. Unmanned robotic lunar lander Odysseus, launched by a private U.S. company, Intuitive Machines, landed on the moon's surface on Thursday. NASA paid IM $118 million to take six instruments for testing to the moon, ODI also carrying a part for a future moon telescope. If you're an AT&T customer, you had some problems on Thursday connecting to your network. Emergency services as well as texting and calling were out. AT&T says it was not a cyber attack. It was just due to a software update they did to expand their network. South Carolina's former Governor Nikki Haley says no matter the outcome of the primary on Saturday, she will not leave the presidential race. Corey Myers, USA News.
0: Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD.
2: Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there.
3: Show, Thank you all for tuning in. 1877-Doc one 1877-D-O-C-D-A-L-I. Big thanks to Genesis Communications Network for making the show happen. Big thanks to Jason, our producer, and big thanks to you all for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Dr. Dahlia and on Facebook, the Dr. Dahlia Show. So prior to COVID, many of us were in the office. We were walking around working. We you know some of us might have sat at our cubicle or in front of our computer. For hours, but for the most part, most of us were moving around. After COVID, many of us are working from home. Even I'm sitting more than I ever have. I'm on the phone with patients. Before I even know it, two hours have gone by. Well, we have been told that the longer we sit, the more detrimental it is to our health, and it can negate some of the physical activity that we do get and that you're really going to have to bust a move to overcome the damage from hours of sitting. So Science Alert has published a report on how much exercise you need to offset a day of sitting. Now, they are saying up to 40 minutes of vigorous to physical intensity activity a day. Vigorous intensity physical activity every day may balance out 10 hours of sitting still. Although any amount of exercise is a plus. So 40 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity for every day you sit for 10 hours. Nobody should be sitting for 10 hours. Get a stand-up desk, take breaks, get up. But listen, look, my show is three hours a day. There's three hours right there sitting. Now I get up, I move, I do leg exercises, I key goal, I do whatever I have to to keep moving, but you know it it could wear on you. Now, luckily, I exercise every day, but this is based on a meta-analysis study published in 2020, analyzing nine previous studies looking at 44,370 people in four different countries who were wearing some form of a fitness tracker. The analysis found that the risk of death among those with a more sedentary lifestyle went up as time spent engaging to moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity went down. In active individuals doing about 30 to 40 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity, the association between high sedentary time and risk of death is not significantly different from those with low amounts of sedentary time. So the researchers say when they looked at these 44,370 people, if you exercised a lot, then it might have negated some of the long hours of sitting. So what is intensive activities? Well... Walking, walking fast, running, um, uh, aerobics, dancing, cycling, gardening, housework. They say the meta-analysis, you know, always requires some elaborate, hold on a second, um, There's a typo in there. They said the study was published alongside the release of the World Health Organization 2020 Global Guidelines on Physical Activity and Sedentary Behavior, put together by 40 scientists across six continents. The British Journal of Sports Medicine also put out a special edition. So they all agree that any physical activity is better than none. And that is something I have to be very careful with. When I tell you guys the magic number of 40 minutes a day, according to this study, or what the American Heart Association recommends, 30 minutes five times a day or 150 minutes a week. Many people will go, well, if I can't do it, it doesn't count. Anything counts. In fact, we've had studies saying 10 minutes of running in place can do wonders. Of course, make sure your heart healthy. I don't want you getting a heart attack, you know, by never exercising, then all of a sudden doing, you know, high intensity exercise but you know the gyms aren't just for young people and and that's another thing i noticed that i'd rather work out at home than go to a gym because i live in a place where some of the golden knights come in and i yeah i don't want them to see me in my t-shirt and i i want to look good (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, um, it, you know, and so a lot of people, they just don't want to exercise in front of other people. I'm telling you right now, when I go to the gym, I don't look at other people. I just do my thing and go. But I am a little nervous because I do see people look around and I've been to gyms where they are meat markets and I, I don't feel comfortable in some of them. So then get some equipment at home. You could buy weights at home. You can get a treadmill. You can get a stair stepper. You can get a Peloton know, I like the gym because there's a lot of variety, and there's so many things you could do. Rowing machines, things like that. But if there's something you like to do, I, because a big problem I notice is people say, I can't go to the gym because of the weather. We're snowed in. And I'm like, well, get off the phone with me and go and exercise. You, you know, you have a TV. You have a living room in your apartment. I, oh, any apartment my husband and I had, the treadmill was in the living room. I don't care that it wasn't good looking. I needed to exercise. And so I would be on the treadmill so I could exercise and would be watching TV. I'd watch Survivor, American Idol, whatever was on in our apartments, and then I would exercise. And and your exercise could be cleaning. The exercise could be walking the dog. The exercise could be doing push-ups. The exercise could be dancing. I saw a video of Madonna dancing. The video was making fun of her, right, you know, because she's... Um, older. But good for her. Good for her. If I, I bring up Madonna because many of us in the 80s would dance around you know, to Madonna. I did. I love Madonna, Whitney Houston. I would be exercising and running around and dancing to that music. You could do that now. You could pull up any song you want on YouTube in the privacy of your home. Close the curtains. Shut off the smart TV. And you could just boogie your butt off. To whatever song you want and it makes it fun and it's exercise and let's say you don't want to do anything rigorous let's say you just want to walk you could walk back and forth in your apartment you could walk back and forth wall to wall I love these pedometers I love these Apple watches that tell you your steps and so I won't go to bed until I've hit a certain amount and I've hit my goal so sometimes I'll walk back and forth I'm like I didn't hit my goal and I'll walk back and forth in the room until I hit the steps I need. So you know what I get? We're working from home. We're on a computer. We're watching TV. I get my mail on the computer. I do my work on the computer. I write my notes on the computer. I learn. I read on the computer. I do everything on a computer and it's really hard to stand and walk when I do that. So get away from the flipping computer. Get into a pool Get into a jacuzzi. You could exercise in a jacuzzi. You could, in a jacuzzi, do leg exercises. You could cycle your legs. You can put your arms back on the step and do reverse push ups. There's so many things you could do to gain exercise. And if not, just get out there and walk. So, the World Health Organization 2020 guidelines recommends 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity. 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous activity every week to counter sedentary behavior walking up the stairs can work other household chores Yo, know and let's say you're doing laundry you could do it in steps you don't have to try to carry the whole laundry in a basket carry up the underwear first then carry up the shirts make extra tips trips if you have to So, our, you know, it's, it's doable. And you just have to look at it, you know, anyway. And honestly, I don't care what tricks you use. If you need pedometers, if you need to do steps, same thing with eating. You need to count your calories. So many times we put something in our mouths without thinking about it. One of the reasons why weight watchers are so effective in terms of weight loss is you have to think about every single thing you put in your mouth. There's points. Well, it starts to make you stop and think. And I know it's easy to say to hell with it. I'm in a bad mood today. I'll start tomorrow. I get that. But you can always remediate. You can always um, recover. One eight seven seven 877 Dolly.
11: Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888 212 8871 or visit us online at nutromedical.com.
12: Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission, and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why Internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages
3: The Dr. Dahlia Show. Thank you all for tuning in. One eight seven seven doctor Dolly. 1877-D-O-C-D-A-L-I. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Dr. Dahlia and on Facebook, The Dr. Dahlia Show. All right, these studies just fascinate me. I gotta tell you, you guys are gonna like this one. So there's a study saying more women, this is this is a study that was done, that women will be more likely to vote for Trump when they're fertile, during their fertile window of their ovulation cycle. Now, we women don't need any more stereotypes or any more press about how our hormones affect our judgment. But it's a fascinating thing to discuss because I do believe that we might have different, shall we say, concerns or we might look at things a little differently depending on how our body is preparing each month so it's fascinating so let me tell you what's going on there was a study a few years back uh researchers in new york city back in 2010 looked at the impact of a woman's menstrual cycle based on the 2008 election between obama and mccain And they found that female voters favored Obama because he looked better, because of his physical fitness and his physique. So they thought it was due to age and attractiveness, but it was a small study. Most of the participants were young white women. Psychologists at the New School for Social Research conducted a follow-up study ahead of the 2020 election. And among 500 participants, researchers found a small but statistically significant relationship between women and their fertility and their candidate preference. In fact, not only did women prefer Trump over Biden, they preferred Trump over Barack Obama. Now, they said it wasn't because they found Trump attractive. It's they found Trump intelligent. Now, they team cautioned that this link was small. But factors other than fertility might have also influenced political preferences. Now, the researchers were led by new school psychologist Jessica Inglebrecht. They recruited 549 women in July and August 2020. 68% were Caucasian, 12 Asian American, 9% Black, 6% Hispanic, and the remainder were an other race. Average age was 32. All of the women had menstrual cycles that were normal length, three to seven days. Well, uh, there's a menstrual period, and then you have the cycle. All right. So I think we got to be careful with the word it's here. But none were pregnant. They were not using birth control. They weren't using IUDs, no health issues. And they were asked about politics and consider hypothetical candidate matchups. They were given multiple matchups, including Bernie Sanders, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, (coughs) Mitt Romney, Mike Pence. And they asked which candidate they would support. (coughs) Now, mind you. You know, 2020, before the lockdowns and everything, you know, it was nearing the end of the Trump presidency. So it could have been some individuals really did enjoy the presidency. But they had to consider a candidate based on how physically attractive, sexually coercive and intelligent, based on a scale of one to five. They also asked if the women intended to vote and to rate their political affiliation. One meaning extremely liberal to nine extremely conservative middle of the road then they measured their level on dark triad traits which included narcissism psych- uh, psychopathy uh, machiavellism and also characterized by other things and so I guess they found that the you know based on uh, where they were in their cycle they found an increased likelihood to vote for Trump over Obama during periods of quote unquote high conception or ovulation Additionally, the team noted how intelligent participants thought the candidate was over attractiveness. Those who preferred Trump felt it's because he was smarter than his components. Now, I know some of you are probably going, okay, there's no way. Uh, I don't, I I would really like to see a study saying, did people really switch their political affiliation? Did they really switch, you know, uh, who they wanted to vote for, you know, mid-cycle? But uh, so it's an interesting study, and I I don't really know where this is going to go. But, you know, with our menstrual cycle, the first day of our cycle is the first day of our period. That's why we always ask the first day of your period. Then it could go anywhere from four days, seven days. Some people might have a three day period. Some people might not have a period. Then between days 12 through 16 would be your ovulation or 11 through 15 could be when you start to ovulate. After that, that's where you get a surge in estrogen, a surge in the hormones telling the ovary to release an egg. The egg starts to go down the fallopian tube. That'll bring the egg from the fallopian tube to the uterus. If you have sex during this window and a sperm passes through your cervix into the uterus, up into the fallopian tubes, a sperm can meet that egg in the fallopian tube, unite, fertilize right? uh, uh, fertilized egg, And then both of them come down together, land in the uterus. This is the most common type of pregnancy. And the uterus is now starting to build up with progesterone to build a home, a cushion for that, um, that, that fertilized egg or zygote. And eventually fetus and eventually baby. So there are a lot of hormones at play. And I am very humbled by the 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 mechanism and the network of hormones that we have i think it's fantastic do i ever feel less intelligent do i feel more intelligent do i feel what i have felt personally is that ovulation week boy (laughs) was i amorous I, I, I mean, I mean, my body was like, okay, this is the week you go out there and you get yourself pregnant. So I noticed that, especially premenopause. Now it's every day. I could be, I could, you know, just let me look at Jimmy Garoppolo and I'm, I'm ready to go. But interestingly, and I don't, I can't explain this. The brain fog, I noticed, fascinatingly, and this is no insult. To men or women, but when I was pregnant with boys, I got brain fog, and I have seen with patients when they're pregnant with boys, they might have more brain fog. When they're pregnant with girls, they have more nausea, and I do believe there are estrogen surges, and and there's there's a a play, and uh there's there's the the hormone network at play that um uh, can help. I've been able to identify what you're who you're pregnant with based on your symptoms and the based on the way your butt looks and your waist looks from behind. I don't know why. I think it's still a wife's tale, but I, I've been pretty right 90-some percent of the time. So there is no doubt that there are hormone changes and that those hormone changes can affect somebody. Look at testosterone. I've had men say once they they normalize their testosterone, they were like different people. But for political preferences, I don't know. I just don't buy it. Now, now, what if this really is the case? Is it because you know women are looking for strength? Women are looking for, you know, I mean, it's interesting that it was Trump over Obama, Trump over Biden. I, I could easily see women, you know, say, look, I, you know, Biden doesn't seem to be on cue these days. You know, but between Trump and Obama, that's fascinating. So, I, I there has to be some underlying biases towards how the how the the presidency went. But you know, uh, um, if uh, you know, if politicians are taking this seriously. I could totally see them want to change, want to look at, all right, ladies, what is the most common time for you to ovulate? Let's take a look at the most common time of the month where people are ovulating, and then let's hold the election then. <laughs> it's not going to happen that way. But it's fascinating nonetheless. My recommendation to you all is, you know, do your research. You know, don't let emotion play a part. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, but... Uh, you know, th- this is going to be one hell of a- an election year, and I'm—I—I <laughs> I- I think we've only begun to see the drama. One eight seven seven dot Dolly, Don't go away.
7: That's 818-984-6100. dot